live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. You are tuned in to the entertainment edition of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, and we definitely want to keep that conversation going with you after this episode. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there. It's an easy click. Follow, like, and then just jump in. Use the hashtag ODPHpod. Also check out Parlay Points while you're there. New blogs coming out this week. The T Public Store, the Directory, the Classifieds, all that and so much more. And we definitely want to jump into this episode. We can't wait any longer because, man, oh, man, oh, man. We have to recap the biggest event of the weekend. Mm-hmm. One that had a lot of hype. Uh, and yeah. I'm going to say mixed results, too. Good results, I would say, because it came out today that, or at least I saw it today, that last year for Fandom, they had like 22 million viewers, something like that. This year, they nabbed 66. Well, you had to think that with DC Fandom returning. And that's 66 million, to be specific, not 66 viewers total. Right. They had a big legacy to live up to, because obviously during 2020, DC decided to give us their own convention online. We'll say for as much as 2020 sucked, and let's face it, a lot of it sucked. Facts. Uh, there was at least one bright spot that year, and that was Fandom. Yes, which it took a very unique approach to doing an online con where they decided to drop their entire arsenal of media projects and then some on the masses. In fact, it was so big they split it up into two days. But the first day of fandom last year, they really put the exclamation point on the event. They dropped so much information, breaking down movie trailers, breaking down video games, breaking down some comics, a little bit of TV, that when they came back for the second round, it didn't have as much sizzle Yeah, because they unloaded so much. It was like, (laughs) what else are you going to bring to the table? Yeah, And it was kind of a unique format at dcfandome.com. And then this year we were kind of curious, okay, what was going to happen Would they come back to it? Obviously, we're seeing the more live in-person cons are happening. But DC decided to re-up and do Fandom Online again. Mm -hmm. They decided not to go to New York Comic Con this year, which was very, very weird for me and Pad to go see. Because obviously, if you've gone to New York Comic Con live in person, they always have the one side of the Javits is theirs. Yep. So to see that just being a lonely food area was just surreal yeah to put it mildly yeah but we figured okay well if you're gonna hold off you have to come with something and they did i will say they came with a lot of information mm-hmm. uh they gave a little bit morsels than i thought they were going to yeah they didn't in certain areas but we're gonna kind of <coughs> break down what we thought stood out and give you our reactions to dc fandom 2021 so, Pat, what's first on your list? Uh, first on my list is probably the one I think most people are excited for, and that is Dwayne Johnson as Black Adam in the film, well, Black Adam. Mm-hmm. Because it's been known for quite some time that, you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is going to be playing 
you know, Black Adam and making his foray into the comic movie universe, you know, and everyone's very much excited for it because, well, let's face it, when the rock is attached to something, it shoots to Pluto, mm-hmm. not the moon. It goes to Pluto. Eat your heart out, Cameron Grimes. Yeah. You to know, the moon. You know, so anytime. So there's obviously a lot of hype and expectation with this. And we've been teased to like concept art and like 3D renderings of what it's going to look like. But we've yet to actually see what this damn thing is going to look like, and even what he's going to look like in this movie, you know, because the movie—I think the movie's filmed already. If they're not in the process of filming, yes, you know, they're somewhere along in the process. But we did get to see our first little look at the man himself, and it was very exciting to see. Yeah, it definitely was exciting to see. I mean, it wasn't anything super mind blowing. Yeah. In fact, I even made the joke on this week's So Wizard podcast where I guest up here. That I honestly thought this was the Injustice 3 trailer. Oh, uh, okay. Because they showed us Black Adam in a temple, and he's getting attacked by mercenaries, it appears. Yep. And he is in full costume, grabs one, electrocutes him. Yep. And you see him rise up. That's it. You don't see a lot to really go off of. He does look great in the costume we see. We, he does have a cloak on him, though. Right. So you don't see the full envision of him. But you see enough that I felt intrigued by it. Yeah. But I would have liked to have seen more of the Justice Society of America that's supposed sure. to be in this movie sure. as well. Sure, I know that they had certain members of the cast there talking as well. Pierce Brosnan, who's playing Dr. Fate. Yep. But we only saw their logos. We didn't see them in costume. We didn't see a lot to really get an idea of what they're going to be involved in the movie with. So I have to say this one, I did like what I saw. Oh, yeah. But I'm still not sold that... It's the final product. Like, I think for Fandom, I was expecting more. Mm-hmm. Like, even a better teaser trailer than just him electrocuting some guy and flying. Yeah. Well, the movie does hit theaters. Uh, it's scheduled to hit theaters on July 29th, 2022. So we're still more than six months away from the movie coming out. I would imagine we'll get the first, you know, this is just to whet people's appetite because the fervor and, and the anticipation, you know, and whatever else that fans have been wanting to see you know, anything regarding this movie has been at such a fever pitch for so long that this was just a way to kind of sate the fans and go, Hey, listen, we're working on it. It's coming. Don't worry. I would imagine maybe around Christmas time, you know, maybe on Christmas day, you know, we might get the first trailer dropped, you know, the rock likes to do things sudden and unexpected. Well, I think it would make a lot of sense to do something to get the crowd more amped up Mm -hmm. because this one definitely caused a buzz. Yeah. But I felt a little underwhelmed with this one. Okay. But I did like what I saw. I'm not yeah. going to say it looked bad, but yeah. I'm just saying for being fandom, the first time you're unveiling the costume in front of everybody to get it just dropped like that, I was like, okay, this is nice. But yeah, like I said, I felt that this was an Injustice 3 trailer more than anything. And it's not. Yeah. Damn it. I digress. Yeah. Next up on your list. Uh, next up on my list probably would have to be, you know, just something to, we're going to uh, switch to TV here a little bit. You know, they uh, got a little bit from The Flash and upcoming season eight, which I got to say is up and down as the last couple of seasons have been. They put out the trailer for the first five episodes for season eight. Looks good. I like the, I like the tone and the feel. Uh, but we did get to hear from Grant Gustin, you know, made an appearance, you know, talking about being a father on the, on the most recent season and two of the kids are around the same age as he is. It's, it's awful weird. You know, uh, he's also, the uh, suit is getting a bit of an update this season. They put out the poster, but he did confirm that uh, The Flash is going to be getting his gold boots, the iconic gold boots uh, that everyone knows, the character wars. Uh, Grant said, it's just always been the final element that I think has been missing from our suits, close quote. So, not, nothing too earth-shining, but it was still cool to see and hear from him. 
Was it just me or did he look really pained being there? Mm, maybe. He, he did He did not strike me as being super amped up about this. I don't know. Maybe it's just me and how I interpret it. It's like he got his gold boots and was like, yay. Well, I think it's hard when it's a virtual thing to get excited. Like, without the crowd there, if this were at San Diego, New York, pick a con, it would be very easy to do this. But I think even for actors, it's hard to get, like, amped up and excited without coming across as fake and just you're doing it for the sake of doing it when there's nobody but the the computer in front of you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say, but I guess... If it was me and I'm excited about my next season coming out, granted, it's, what, season eight now? Yeah. He, he, maybe the tread is starting to fade a little bit on the tires and it's kind of going through the motions. I mean, because the one I can think of was when we were at New York Comic Con, they kept showing the trailer for the new Resident Evil movie that's mm-hmm. coming out. And you had the cast introduce that. And Robbie Amell, funnily enough, is in that movie. And they're all talking about it briefly, and they go to introduce it. And then Robbie Amell would give this, yeah! And I'm like, that is fake as shit. Yeah, I could understand that point, too, but I guess I was expecting a little more from it. Sure. And I, if the big takeaway was the gold boots, meh. Yeah. Like, I understand they did show the, the trailer, though, for Armageddon, the yeah. next crossover coming out. That actually looked pretty Looks good. good. It looked good, so I can't be too mad about that. Yeah. Next up, though, on my list, and I'm super amped up about this, is Milestone Media. Hey. So this, if you're not familiar with, this is the... Uh, comic line that, that introduced us to Static Shock. Oh, yeah. Icon. Yeah. So they're doing this very cool project coming out, and I'm going to read directly from DCComics.com. The DC's Milestone Initiative, a new partner with Ally, was announced as the first program of the next generation DC, a new venue created to develop the next generation of comic book artists, writers, colorists, editors, and more. Mm -hmm. Dennis Conway and Reggie Hudlin chatted with Echo Kellum, who plays uh, Mr. Terrific on Arrow. Okay. About every aspect of Milestone and announced the several upcoming projects coming out, including a Milestone animated feature that's in development by Warner Brothers. So that definitely got me excited to see what's going on with this. They also mentioned that Blood Syndicate is going to be returning as a comic, which that was their team book in the Milestone media line. Okay. So definitely excited about that. So they have a lot of stuff that's coming out from Milestone. And like I said, if you're not familiar with the properties that were in this uh, comic line, they are very, very good. Can I make a pitch for somebody voicing uh, Static Shock in that animated movie? Sure. Michael B. Jordan, please. Ooh, give it to me. Because then you put him in that. If you want to do the, the live action version down the road, you got that built in. Yes. Just saying. Yeah, so I'm definitely excited about seeing what they're going to do with that. And uh, an animated feature with Milestone characters, like, yeah. give it to me. Yeah. I always think that they have a great lineup. And to see hardware, I mean, that was kind of like, in a sense, their ar- armored hero. Yeah. The, the, the easiest comparison. And Static Shock from that universe, too. There's a lot to be excited about if you're not familiar with this comic line. So definitely go check that out. And if you want some more information about that, DCComics.com has a blog up recapping it as well. So definitely go check that out. Yeah, and if you want to get a little teaser, an idea of what Static Shock is all about, the animated show they did in like the late 90s, early 2000s, which all seasons are on HBO Max, is very good. Yes, very, very good. Also on my list, though, we did get a little information about Aquaman. Okay. And the next movie that's coming out. Uh, not too much, but it was a little Jason Momoa talking. Did see, uh, I believe it was the Black At- uh, Manta costume. Yeah, which looks real good. That looked very, Ooh. very good. Ooh. So this sequel, though, I'm, I'm very interested to see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I know we didn't see the teaser trailer or anything from that, just the costume still, which, yeah. listen, I'm excited for Black Manta. Yeah. 
Uh, but I'm also wondering, like, what are you going to do for the sequel? Because it felt to me like with the first Aquaman film, they went all in. Mm-hmm. Every single villain they could think of, they put in this film. Yeah. That, I mean, Manta can carry a second film. I'm yeah. not saying he can't, but I'm also curious, like, where are you going to go from here with that? Yeah. So have to wait to see when that is slated to come out on December of next year. So yeah. a lot of time between now and then, but I'm sure they're going to get it right. Momoa has embraced the role of Aquaman, so oh, you, God, yeah. you know it's definitely amped up for that. What else you got on your list, Pat? i got to mention one of the video games coming out that everyone's excited for, myself included, was uh, discussed that is Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Yes. Uh, yeah, so they made their appearance. You know, of course, this is the new game from Rocksteady Studios, worked on the Batman Arkham games for so many years. You know, we got a new trailer, which gives us a good look at what the game's going to be about. We got to see a bit of the characters. King Shark was in it, Captain Boomerang, Harley Quinn. Uh, we did get a bit of the voice cast announcements uh, with Tara Strong voicing Harley Quinn again. Uh, Deborah Wilson, uh, who is voicing Amanda Waller. She's voiced Amanda Waller in all the animated stuff. And then WWE's own Samoa Joe. Hell yeah. Is voicing King Shark. Goddamn, let's go. Yeah, trailer looked dope. I'm very excited about this game. They need to take a book, uh, a page out of the Avengers video game. uh, If they decide to do costumes and whatever, take the costumes from the movie because that'd be really cool. Yeah. Because I know the Avengers video game has been doing that where, like, they've been incorporating classic looks and, and maybe some, oh, well, this would be fun. What if we did this looks? But also they've been incorporating looks from the films. You know, like I know they just recently put out uh, Iron Man 2's uh, armor that you can get in the marketplace in the game. I think uh, Suicide Squad game should do the same thing with uh, the films. I'm going to just segue for 30 seconds about this. Okay. You brought about the Avengers game. Yes. If I saw correctly today, they're unveiling a Cap Wolf skin. They are. I saw the photo. Oh, my God. I don't know what I think about that. That is a very, very unique storyline from the 1980s of comics. If you ever read Captain America, I I don't know if I want to get it or not. There, <laughs> it, it, it's good, bad. Like, that's the easiest way I can describe it. It's You have to read the story to fully appreciate it. Yeah. But when I saw that today, I was like, why in God's name are you bringing back Cap Wolf? Because it's the hollow, cause Halloween. I get it, but still, man. You're not that, doing anything with the character. It's just, hey, you can dress up as it. Yeah, but still, that's it's fucking Cap Wolf. Like, I'm, this is not my, jo- my uh, John Walker U.S. agent rant, but I was like, Cap Wolf? Yeah. Who in their right mind said, let's get Cap Wolf tis, back? Tis the season. Fortnite put Rick Grimes into, into the Fortnite. I okay, like I get you. It's Fortnite, but still, it's like of all the Avengers you can do, we're gonna put Cap Wolf in. Yeah. Uh, I digress. All right, get back focusing. And if we're talking about over the top cheesy characters, the first one jumping on my list, we got a little more footage of Peacemaker. This show cannot come out soon enough. Yes, this is gonna be the spin off to James Gunn's The Suicide Squad film, which is fantastic. This is slated to drop in January on HBO Max. We did see the trailer. I got to admit, I was dying laughing. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for this. The fact that we have the 1980s vigilante in costume was fucking epic. I cannot lie about this. I marked out John Cena's comedic timing is just perfect with this character, which is basically Captain America meets the Punisher and turn it up to the 10 on the volume meter. Mm-hmm. It's over the top. It's absolutely crazy. John Cena has a pet eagle in this. Reasons. Yeah, just reasons, but let it go. If he doesn't show up to various late night talk shows to do press for this show without that eagle, I will be very disappointed. 
It looked fantastic. I, yeah, I, I, I need him on Fallon and and Kimmel and 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 uh, Colbert and whoever else does late night. You know, with that eagle in tow. Yeah, it's it's gonna happen. I'm super excited about. It. Like I said, this looked like perfectly in that Suicide Squad universe. Obviously, James Gunn is a part of this production team for it. So this is going to be something definitely to check out. Like, Yeah, and I feel like this is going to tickle some itches for folks who like DC Comics, but also like the visceral violence of like an Invincible or The Boys, where mm-hmm. it's like, hey, you like both of those things? Here's the best of both worlds. Yeah, absolutely. So when this drops in January, like I said, James Gunn has got a stamp of approval on it. So if you love the Suicide Squad movie, which I did, yep. this is going to be right up your alley and it looks yep. freaking fantastic. Oh, yeah. Next up for you, Pat. Uh, next up, we got to talk, obviously, Superman, because, hey, when you think DC, you think the the man with the red cape. And we got a bunch of Superman stuff at uh, the fandom. Uh, we did get a tour of the Kent Farm from the cast of Superman and Lois, so that was super awesome to see. Mm-hmm. Cannot get uh, enough of that show, and it cannot come back soon enough. Best show on CW. Best show on CW, easily. Bar none. Uh, obviously, with Supergirl ending, we did get a look back uh, uh, at the show, and we got some messages and from current and former cast members. Yeah, you know, Supergirl... <sighs> I don't know how it's going to end. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've been trying to get back into it a little bit to see how they're going to wrap things up. Yeah. But I, I don't know what the vibe is going to be, to be honest with you. Yeah. So we'll definitely have to keep tuned. I know there's only a few more episodes left before it yeah. wraps up in November, I believe. Yeah. Uh, we got to look at the next uh, uh, episode of DC Stargirl. Stargirl has been dope. I'm going to say, I know we haven't been recapping it on here as much, but what they've been doing with the Eclipso and the Shade yep. has been really interesting i'm gonna say i i don't know how i feel about how the shade's been written on the show mm-hmm. but i've been very very pleased with the character i just kind of got to take myself out of the comic universe with him but that last week's or last night's episode as we're recording was for, was very very good so very interested to see where they're going with that and i know there's only like i think five more episodes left of the season too. all right yeah uh, we also got a look at the upcoming animated series, My Adventures with Superman, which I got to admit, I was a little skeptical about, you know, because I hold Superman, the animated series in such high regards. You know, it's, it's second only to uh, Batman, the animated series in my books. But I got to admit, I'm going to give it a shot. It looks fun. You know, I'm not mad about it. So we'll definitely check that out. Uh, and then we got a bit of a surprise. Because oh, I know you marked out like this. I freaked the fuck out, and anyone who knows me freaks the fuck out because this show means more to me than any other show in history, mm-hmm. like bar none. We got a because there was a little show that turned twenty years old uh, this week or this past week. Which without this show, there would be no Arrowverse, there would be no Sargirl, there would be no Titans, there would be no Doom Patrol, there would be no Peacemaker, and arguably there might not be anything DC you see on screen big or small today facts and that is uh the show smallville which uh came out way back when in september or september october of 2001 uh you know was the first not kids animated show i watched you know obviously i watched boy meets world and and other stuff but this was the first serious tone show I watched as a kid because when I was a kid, I used to get the Disney Adventures magazine. Mm. You, know, you know, and every year they would do when I had it, they would do a fall preview TV show, you know, of, of stuff you should check out that was friendly for kids, you yeah. know, and in it, you know, cartoons obviously, but then there were also some kind of like teenage adult stuff, you know. And I remember flipping through it and going through, it and I was like, oh, and it was sorted by month. And I got to October, and it was Smallville, and it was like, oh, this is the story of Superman before he was Superman when he's a teenager. And being the big Superman guy I was, I was like, oh, my God, I need to see this. 
I would spend the next 10 years of my life not missing an episode, even back when there were some nights I couldn't watch it live before DVR and before, you know, TiVo and all that, not before on demand. I had my parents tape it on VHS. You know, because there were some nights, because well, it changed nights a couple times. Yeah, it, flipped, it was CW Network. Well, it was WB back then. Or, yeah, or same you know, thing. They, they would flip nights. It was on for a couple seasons. I, You know, if I was busy that night, I made sure my parents would tape the episode, and then I would watch the episode on VHS. You know, this show meant so much to me, but we got uh, a look back at Smallville, you know, and of course there is the Blu-ray coming out this uh, this year, came out a couple days ago. We did get a reunion uh, with Tom Welling, who played Clark, Michael Rosenbaum, who played my version of Lex Luthor. Uh, you know, and you got some past uh, cast members showed up, including Kristen Kruk, who played uh, Lana, mm-hmm. John Glover, who played Lionel Luthor in the absolute bastard that he was in that show fear the walking dead oh uh-huh. yeah yeah james marster show up justin hartley who played the original on-screen green arrow i know it's weird to see him in this is us but hey he was the first version of green arrow i ever got introduced to so that was definitely cool to see and i and i love seeing the celebration because like i said were it not for the show's success and the 10-year run it had you would not see the Arrowverse or anything on DC TV these days. Yeah, I definitely got to agree with you about that. I mean, Smallville definitely set the bar. Yeah. Did a lot of great things with that. I mean, that is why even during fandom, you're seeing a lot of the TV shows get uh, renewed, too. Yeah. I mean, Smallville is the one who set the, the benchmark for it, so now the fan base is there, and it was awesome to hear about how they basically have passed the baton on to what you're seeing on HBO Max right now. Yeah. Titans got re-upped for Season 4. Yeah. Doom Patrol got re-upped. Hell, fucking yeah, I'm excited about that. And, uh, I mean, this is all goes back to Smallville. You got oh, the yeah. ball rolling on that. If you've never seen Smallville, all of the episodes are on Hulu. And, and there, I will admit, there are parts of it that are, if you nowadays are a little hokey, but you put it in its time and, it, it, you know, it'll make sense. But there are some awesome moments and some awesome fucking cliffhangers in that show that left me jaw on the floor. So definitely give it a check. Uh, we also got some uh, Superman news from uh, the Jim Lee. Uh, who introduced a new slogan for the Man of Steel. So, of course, the slogan for years and years and years has been truth, uh, justice, in the American way. Mm-hmm. Now the new uh, mission statement is, quote, truth, justice, and a better tomorrow. To which I say, that's awesome. I fucking co-sign on that a thousand percent. That, I do, too. It's awesome what they're doing with that. So, listen, I, I cannot applaud them more than I, than I can yeah. verbally make known. Uh, I'm loving everything they're doing with Superman right now, and Tom Taylor is doing an amazing job, too, if you haven't yeah, been is. reading his work with Superman. Yeah, he is. Fucking fantastic. Yeah. Next up, though, for me, I got to say, we got a little teaser for Sandman. Yep. Uh, so we, we got a little uh, footage of Gwendolyn Christie, mm-hmm. who we know from Game of Thrones, as Lucifer Morningstar. So we got the, just a quick look at it, and obviously... Sandman is something I got definitely locked and loaded when it drops. So the more I can see of the show, I'm going to be completely blown away by. Yeah. Super excited about that. We also got something uh, from the DC League of Super Pets. I'm going to probably watch this, and it's just because of the cast alone. Yeah, like, I'm sold on this. Like, Holy Christ, this cast is fucking insane. Like, I shouldn't go watch it, but I'm. how can you go wrong with Kevin Hart, Dwayne Johnson, John Krasinski, yep. Diego Luna, yep. and Keanu freaking Reeves. And Kate McKinnon. Yeah, like, holy shit. This, like, the movie might be, like, you know, great for kids, but for adults, it's like, eh, whatever. But the cast alone is going to make it amazing. Yeah, like, this is just absolutely nuts to go see. And and you know what? This will be just fun to go watch. Yeah. Like I say, I'm going in with such a low bar, but with the, that cast? Yeah. Like, how do you go wrong with that? Like, I, I don't understand. Yeah. There was another, though, if we're talking uh, animated films. Mm-hmm. 
we got a little more footage uh, from the Injustice. Yeah, you know, year one. Uh, yep. I, well, I shouldn't say year one, but I know it's it's heavily influenced it's, by it's Tom bo- Taylor's. It's, bar- year one. it's borrowing from it. Yeah. yeah, because the animated film came out October nineteenth. Yeah, and you know, it's it's kind of been back and forth a little bit. Yeah. It's tough for me to watch this because I haven't. I haven't. I'll admit I have not watched yeah. more than we've seen from the clips here. Yeah, because for me, I hold the video game in such high regard, mm-hmm. and the comics are great because well, it's Tom Taylor, the yeah. best writer in comics right now. Yeah. So it's tough for me to go watch it because it's like you know they're going to kind of skew it a little bit from yeah. the source material because well, it's it's an animated film. You got to take a side and you yeah. have to re-roll with it. Yeah. But I'm I'm hoping I was actually disappointed by this because I was hoping we got information about Injustice Three. Mm. That's what I was hoping that we got. The one one guy was supposed to be there. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was hoping because I know Ed Boon was. Uh, yep. I, that's what I said when he was tagged to this. I was hoping we we're going to hear that, and we didn't. So just you know, fingers crossed for it to come out. But if you're interested in checking it out, definitely hit me up at OD Parlay Hour and let me know what you think of it. I will get around to watching it eventually. But, sure. But like I say, I hold that video game in such high regard that I just can't jump on it. So we'll kind of have to wait to see from there. Yeah, I mean, your regard for that is like my regard for the rat when they announced the Ratchet and Clank video game. They're like, listen, I've been playing this video game mm-hmm. franchise for however many years it had been at that point. You better do this fucking justice. And then you watch the movie and play the game, and it's basically the same thing. So I was like, all right, I'm all right with this. Yes. Next up. Yeah, I think we got to talk. Listen, hey, hey, Ken, it exists. They, <laughs> they, they filmed it. There's footage. I don't believe it. Uh, we're, of course, talking The Flash, which Ken said wouldn't believe is happening until he actually saw footage. And, well, folks, we got that over the weekend. Uh, we did get a bit of a teaser trailer, if you want to call it that. I don't know. There's uh, The end of the th- clip they showed, you know, the trailer did say in production, you know, but we did get a look at The Flash uh, film starring Ezra Miller, uh, directed by Andy Muschietti, uh, which we do see Ezra Miller's return. Uh, and we did see a notable return to the uh, silver screen wearing a certain cape and cowl. Uh, it was a very cool trailer showing if a very familiar manner, if you've ever seen uh, DC movies over the years. Uh, we did see a new look uh, Flash with his new costume, which I got to say looks pretty cool, if I do say so myself. His new 52. Yeah. Uh, we did hear a voiceover, which I when I was showing the trailer to my parents, I said, do you recognize the voice? And my dad went, oh, there's no way. Because, you know, the, the voiceover says you can go anywhere, any place and in any timeline. And it shows Barry going back to the past to obviously the movie. Listen, the movie's Flashpoint. So, you yeah. know, you know, the story, you know where he's going, uh, you know, it does. But we do see return to the screen. Uh, Michael Keaton as fucking Batman. We don't see the face, but we see the back of the cowl. And it's the iconic ears. You fucking know who it is. Yeah, that was the only selling point for me about this. I, I got to admit, I, I'm not a huge Ezra Miller fan. Sure. So I, I'm not super excited about this movie. In fact, it's Flashpoint, which I was never a super big fan of in the comics. The animated movie was good. Animated was okay. I, I will give you that. But I was never a big fan of what they did in the comics. Sure. Well, you know, obviously that led to the new 52. Sure, and, and, sure. Well, we, I guess we also did get our first look at Supergirl in the film because there is the one shot mm-hmm. towards the end of the trailer where you see uh, current Ezra Miller standing there. Off to his right is Supergirl. But then eagle-eyed fans noticed, well, I noticed that it was like some other version of Ezra Miller as the Flash. Eagle-eyed fans noticed that the version of the Flash that is on his left has a spray-painted lightning bolt over a Batman logo. So he's wearing some form of Batman suit and has the logo uh, spray-painted over it. So that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, that's, that is interesting. I did yeah. not notice it the first time. Neither did, I didn't notice it either, but I saw a photo on Reddit, and I was like, ooh, that's a good catch. 
Also, the end of the trailer is fucking amazing because it shows Ezra Miller as a Flash standing over a vehicle that is uh, covered in a like a towel cape looking thing, and he goes to pull it off, and it he pulls it off, and it cuts to black, and you just hear "Oh my!" and it cuts. We all know what it is. Batmobile. Uh, it's Keaton's Batmobile. Yeah, I like I said, if it wasn't for Keaton in this, I probably would not even care, but. He's in it, so I mean, you know, I'm gonna go watch it. I showed it to my parents who who saw that movie come out in theaters, and my dad's like, "Wait, they got Keaton back?" I go, "I know. I don't. I didn't believe it either." It is the biggest thing going on there too? We also did get to see uh, some still art from the Blue Beetle film. Yeah, so definitely excited to see about that uh, when that comes out. We do know that Yolo Madrina, mm-hmm. uh, which I apologize if I messed the name up, from Cobra Kai is oh, going to yeah. be playing Jaime Ramirez. Yeah, so that is going to be a that should be good. I'm excited about that film. So, like, I didn't know any prior to Young Justice coming out. I didn't know jack all about Blue Beetle. I'd never even heard of him. Mm-hmm. But Young Justice piqued my interest, and I'm and I'm down for down for this project. It should be awesome. Yeah, so I'm excited to see more about that when it comes out. But the still arts that we we saw, I'm excited. I'm I cannot wait to check that film out when it comes. Yeah, and then we got some video game news kind of jumping around. But listen, you knew if it was going to have Court of Owls, we were not going to miss talking about that in the and show. There, and there, because there's a YouTuber I follow who uh, gets some stuff early from video game uh, studios. They're sending shit out about this game already, including Court of Owl masks. Yeah, that's fucking amazing. Which is awesome. Yeah, this definitely looked cool. I mean, obviously, the Gotham Knights game. We've heard Court of Owls was tagged. We got to see a little more footage on it. Just give it to me now. I, I, say, I, we, we also got to hear from Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Like, what more do you need to hear? Uh, that's a, You know, like I said. When Jim I said, Lee's an added bonus. Yeah, I was like, okay, Jim, it's nice to stop by, but I got Scott and Greg talking. I don't care. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's cool. Like, you know, Jim, you know, you've the done game, The game should be awesome. Like, it's, it's such a unique concept. Yeah, that's what I say. Like, the fact that, you know, you got the Bat family involved. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, I was definitely more pumped up about that. Nightwing all day. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. seriously, they're going to be doing so much cool stuff with yeah. that, too. And they got the new Batman animated series, if we're going to talk Batman. Yes. This looked absolutely epic. Oh, my God. J.J. Abrams, Bruce Timm, Matt Reeves. Fucking hell. Like, I saw uh, Bruce Timm said, like, listen, if you loved Batman the animated series, which, hi, I'm one of those people. He goes, this is more Batman animated series, even more so if it's even possible. And I'm like, oh, fuck, give it to me now. It sounds like it's going to be a fucking home run out of the park. Oh, it's going to be so good. And that's the thing, too. If, they, if they're going to kind of touch upon the legacy of the animated series, yeah. you got to nail it. Oh, yeah. And from what it sounded like, they're really going to try capturing that vibe, but even pushing it further, which yeah. you have to think about for that time period, too. That is not exactly easy to replicate. No. Because even though the animated series was geared towards kids, mm-hmm. there was some episodes that kind of teetered on adult themes. Yeah. You know, especially for that time frame. So now, yep. obviously being on HBO Max. Uh, HBO Max, and it will also be broadcast on Cartoon Network as well. Right. Like, you can definitely go a little further per se about yeah. what you want to do. Yeah. Like, I don't think we're going to see Killing Joke in this universe. No. I hope not anyway. No. But I think for every everybody involved with this project, it looks like it's going to be an absolute home run. So yeah. I cannot wait to check this out. Like I yeah. said, the still poster yeah, looks oh yeah. absolutely dope. The only thing we know about the show, because not really much was shown from it, was that uh, they said that the show, at least at the start, is going to be set very early in Batman's career. Mm. So don't expect Robin or Nightwing or Batwoman or any of the rogues or the family to run in. Down the road. Probably, mm-hmm. but for at least the first season, it's going to be Batman by his lonesome. 
Yeah. Like, it's, they got so much wind going on with this. It's not even funny. Oh, yeah. There was so much that got broken down, too. I mean, there was the Young Justice Phantoms got dropped unexpectedly on everybody. Oh, yeah. So if you're a fan of that universe, it's on HBO Max right now. The first couple episodes are. So that was also some pretty cool news. We got a little more information on Naomi. So that's coming to the CW next year. Uh, a lot of win for the shows coming out, yeah. too. And obviously, we did get a little teaser footage uh, or still shots of Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Yep. So that's the big sequel that's coming out uh, with Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu and their uh, respective roles. They're going to be playing the villains in the film. There was a lot to be excited about. Yeah, I'll say there was also one thing that caught me by surprise that I did not expect to see. Uh, that was some information about the TV show Pennyworth, which admittedly I have not seen because it's on a uh, premium channel that I don't have. Yep. Uh, but Jack Bannon and Ben Aldridge, who are two stars on the show, uh, showed up to announce that uh, season three of their series uh, is going to debut uh, next year on HBO Max as an HBO Max original. Mm. Uh, and they also said seasons one and two will make their way uh, uh, to HBO Max in the early part of the year. So, hey, I've always wanted to check this show out because it's an interesting premise. You know, yeah. it's Alfred Pennyworth in his younger days over in England. But because the network it was on is not one I subscribe to, I've never been able to watch it. So I'm excited to give it a tr- give it a shot. Yeah. I mean, that's just some of the tip of the iceberg of what happened at Fandom. Yeah. There is something else to drop, but we're going to devote an entire segment to it. Yeah, I mean, if we have to. Yeah, I mean, I think we got to do it some justice. So, Pad, that being said, why don't you give your final thoughts? What is your grade on DC Fandom 2021? Uh, I'd have to give it a B, B+. It was very good, but there was there was some stuff lacking, I felt, much as you said. I would have liked to have gotten maybe an announcement for when, you know, the season two of Superman and Lois is going to be returning. You know, we really, outside of the tour of the Ken Farm, I don't think we really got anything much outside of Superman and Lois, which is probably the DC's biggest show on the CW, you mm-hmm. know. So I would have liked to give, but everything else was really cool to see, you know, especially I would have liked to have seen more footage from, you know, the movies that are being filmed. Don't get me wrong. The behind the scenes stuff is cool, but you can give us a scene that really doesn't mean much to spoilers or anything. You know, like wheel of time. I felt did that in New York comic con. They just showed us a scene where it was damn. It was, I'm not going to say damn near. It was impossible to me to, for me to figure out where that scene took place, what the hell was going on or anything. And it still wet my appetite for the show. Felt like they could have done that with some of the DC films. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, I gave it a B, leaning even towards B minus. Sure. I mean, the the thing about it is, and maybe I'm just a spoiled Comic Con fan. I like to go to the events and hear the roar of the crowd or yeah. the boo of the crowd to get the t- real temp in the room. It's tough to do online because, let's face it. Online and offline are two different universes in their own rights. Mm-hmm. So everything can sound like it's epic online until you actually go and see it for yourself, and then you're going to get the real temp in the room, like I said. So for this, I thought for them passing on New York Comic Con or passing doing something in person, yeah. they really had to come with a full arsenal to really be excited about. Sure. And I feel that they had a couple really bright spots but overall, I thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I still kind of said, I, I feel the same thing about, like, Netflix to dumb. Yeah. I thought there was great information. Yeah. But I feel, though, if you drop that in front of people and you really got the true temp in the room. Yeah. You, it, it came off a little better. I think for what we got, like, the Peacemaker trailer, I thought was very cool. Yeah. I thought that the Flash, well, the fact that something exists <laughs> is, is a win. Albeit, though, if it wasn't for Keaton, I'm not exactly excited about it. Yeah. 
And I thought that the Black Adam footage was a little underwhelming. Sure. Just because you could have gave us maybe a shot of the JSA quick, give us something more than just him electrocuting. They're playing that so close to the chest. I get it. Yeah. I like, I understand it, but I'm also, it also gives me a vibe. Like maybe this is not as good as we think it's going to be. I don't think that's the case. I think it's just, listen, they know it's the rock. They know people are going to check out and see it. They don't really need to show that much. I don't know. Like I, I I see that point too. I just, I'm kind of conflicted with that one, but for everything else, it was kind of like, well, it's cool to announce, but it could have been done in a tweet too. Like I say, for as much as I was excited to hear about Titans and doom patrol getting renewed, which hell Yeah. The more shows on HBO Max, the better, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I thought, like, this is not really an event vibe. Like, it's just something, if I felt like it could have been in a tweet, maybe that's the route it should have gone. Yeah. I'm not mad about it, though, because still, during this time that we live in, to get an event like Fandom is still a big deal. Did I think, though, it was the perfect sequel to last year? No. I mean, this kind of reminded me of the second day fandom more than anything. Mm-hmm. And it's tough when you have that benchmark set so high to reach it. Yeah. But like I said, it did have a lot of win. It had a lot of information that we talked about. And we didn't even get to everything on this. So I'm going to say if you're looking for more fandom information, DCComics.com. Check. They have a great blog that gives a breakdown of everything. And DCFandom.com where you can watch the events live wherever you watch your social media from. So that being said, we are going to be talking about a certain trailer that definitely was the highlight of DC Fandom next segment, but definitely hit hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your reaction to DC Fandom 2021, ODPH Society? We want to know. We're going to get a quick break. We'll be right back. Coming to you live from whatever podcast you're currently listening to, it's your boy Jay West with my co-host Mac East from the We Get Dub podcast. What up, nerds? It's me, Mac East, and we got a badass anime podcast for you. We got hot sauce, we got hot takes, we got booze and banter. And you can listen to us on all major platforms. The We Get Dub podcast hits harder than a Goku gut punch. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. In the last segment, we were talking DC Fandom, but mm-hmm. we figured we need to really deep dive into the highlight of Fandom this year, and that was the real first big trailer of The Batman. I mean, if we have to. Yeah, I, I think maybe you know, twist the arm, we might have to dig into it. Yeah. Obviously, the film coming out by Matt Reeves, starring the one and only Robert Pattinson mm-hmm. as Bruce Wayne. Zoe Kravitz is playing Selena Kyle. Colin Farrell is playing the Penguin. And Paul Dano is playing the Riddler. I was saying, you wouldn't know that's Colin Farrell unless you already knew it or looked it up. Right. Because, God damn, he's, he's playing a good uh, penguin. They do a really good job with it. This is now set in year two of Batman, so uh-huh. we're going to get a very inexperienced Batman. He's real rough around the edges, you know, and I know this is one point because I made a point to show my parents this trailer because it's amazing that mm-hmm. my mom even went, why is he so, like, evil and violent? I said, well, because he's very early in his career. He's, he's rough around the edges. Yes. He's not as refined. He's definitely not as honed in his crime-fighting skills yeah. as we now see him, where if you give him enough prep time, he can fight anybody. That's a great online debate if you ever want to have that. This is true. 
But this is the first time we really kind of got a true temp in the room from the film. I mean, obviously last year they mic dropped Fandom and yeah. gave us some footage. Yeah. And I believe it was only 25% of the film done last That's year. That's what they said, yeah. They're like, oh, hey, we got like a minute and a half, whatever it was, trailer, and only 25% of the movie's done. Right. So now they're fully locked and loaded for March 4th, 2022 to hit theaters. Too far away. Very too far away, so we are going to be talking spoilers about the trailer, so you have been forewarned. If you're trying to avoid any trailer talk, this is where we say pause the episode, jump back in the timestamp later, because when we give the countdown, we get deep diving into it. So, Pad, that being said, three, two, one, what did you think? I thought this trailer was utterly fucking amazing. Uh, I will say that when they announced Pattinson was going to be playing Bruce Wayne Batman for this film... I was a little skeptical because I'm like, I listen, not even the whole twilight thing, but I wasn't sure if he could quite fill the gravitas and, and the weight that comes with playing Bruce Wayne slash Batman, you know, and there wasn't, and I was a little optimistic after last year's, you know, teaser trail, but there really wasn't all that much to go off of. But with this, I'm like, no, yeah, he can play Batman. Like he can, he can pull off a young Batman. This looks fucking incredible. Yeah, it does. I mean, that's the easiest way I can describe it. It definitely has a very cool noir feel to it. Mm-hmm. It definitely ties back into the Nolan universe in the sense of it seems very grounded. It feels more gritty than the Nolan verse oh, did, has- which is saying something. It absolutely does. And I have said this before, and I'll say this again. Matt Reeves may be a believer of the Planet of the Apes franchise. Oh, yeah. So until otherwise, he does no wrong in my eyes. I was excited to see what we had here, and to and they did one thing that I know I've talked with Rich from 3FN about, I've talked with you off-air about here as well, too, that I didn't want to see too much that gave the film away. Sure. I wanted to just see enough, and the one thing that I think we're, we are all in agreement here at 607 Podcasts about, we didn't want to see a lot of the Riddler. Yeah. That I think that everybody was kind of saying how they did him in fandom, you were really kind of guessing, was that going to be him and how it was going to be presented? I thought the trailer did a really good job about camouflaging him for the most part. Like, mm-hmm. you only saw one shot of his face where he's wearing glasses in that weird uh, mask oh, type yeah. deal that he's yeah. doing. I thought they kept that very close to the chest about what he's really doing in the film. Because the only thing we know from the IMDb page is he's a serial killer. Yep. So it's kind of a different vibe to the Riddler. I like it, though. Yeah, yeah. And then where this trailer kicks off, we see that. Paul Dano is eating in a cafe. Mm-hmm. The police are raiding said cafe. He throws his hands up. Now, we never see his face. Nope. So that's going to be a big thing to clarify as well. Yep. We're assuming it's him. Yeah. But we can't tell because the only way that we have an idea that this is the Riddler is in his coffee. There is a question mark. Drawn. Yeah. And I got to admit it because they never show the face. We don't know who it is. Really, we're kind of going with it's Riddler. But I thought at first, the first time I saw this trail, I'm like, wait, is that Jim Gordon? Are they arresting Jim Gordon? Like, what the fuck? Well, and then I realized, wait, okay, no, it's not. No, Jeffrey Wright's playing Jim yeah. Gordon in this one. Yeah. So that being said, we go right into the ominous music of Nirvana, and you hear, you start seeing the bat signal getting built. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very makeshift. And, yeah. And I love how you see that Pattinson is describing it, and he's saying when the light hits the sky... It's not just a call, it's a warning. Mm-hmm. And it's so badass because then you see him standing off against the Joker gang. Now, this mm-hmm. kind of reminded me a little bit, in a sense, of Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. 
where you have an older, jaded Batman that comes out of retirement and, well, I don't want to spoil anything of that book. But let's just say he goes and fights a gang that's very inspired by the Joker. I would say it also reminded me a bit of Batman Beyond where, you know, until they did the movie, uh, you know, the animated movie. But at the show's outset, Joker wasn't there. But obviously there were folks carrying on, so to speak, his legacy. Yeah. Like, it's kind of just a weird vibe. Like I said, whenever you have those, like, manic gangs, I always feel they're inspired by the Joker. And this is where it really comes to, to light here because you see Batman laying waste. He's getting shot. Now, this is kind of the, the craziest thing about this is his armor in this takes a lot of bullets, especially for year two. Uh-huh. Like, that's something that will jump on throughout the trailer. We kind of see that vibe with. But then the camera shifts, and we do see him in Arkham, and it appears that he is trying to talk to the Riddler. Yep. And you do see the first moment of Batman using Batman voice, uh-huh. which I guess... he's Well, he's implying the Christian Bale method. Yes, which... How do you feel about that, Pat? I'm all right with that. I mean... I feel like for year two, it makes sense. Cause like when they did the voice alteration device with Affleck, mm. it made sense. And I'm like, holy shit, that makes a lot of sense. You know, he's a billionaire. Why would he not have something like that? But for given it's year two, it's super early in his career. It would, you know, it would make sense. He doesn't have that. And he just does a real gruff change his voice thing. I'm all right with it. You know, it's not weird to me, you know, because Christian Bale did it for three movies. So I'm all right with it. Yeah, no, it's definitely kind of got that different vibe to it. And I, I like I didn't mind it as well. Like it, it like yeah. I didn't get the you know like that kind of yeah anger from that because I know the original one I was kind of like Meh, I'm not really kind of vibing off this yeah. But then from there we kind of see a quick shot that something is exploding and you can see Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne for the first time. Got a little bit of long hair going. Yeah, he's definitely going that. And he's, Different, but I'm all right with that. Yeah, he's kind of monologuing a little bit. And then we get the first real appearance of Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle, aka mm-hmm. Catwoman. And you're kind of seeing how their romance is getting kind of built up a little bit, and they're playing back and forth. Then we get a quick shot of Colin Farrell as well as the Penguin. That band has got some scars. Yeah, I was gonna say. Oh, I was gonna say it's very telling that this version of the Penguin has gone through some things. They're kind of using him more as the crime lord that he is yeah. now in the comics. Yeah, which I love. I think it's a great way to write the Penguin in here. Then we get to another shot of Andy Serkis playing Alfred. And I want to know. Uh... The shot, first shot you see him, which if you're on any of the trailers, it's like a minute and 20 minute, 19 in. Uh, Circus has got a bit of a nasty scar by his eye. Yeah. Hey, something's happened. Yes. Yeah, so well, I'm very interested to see how that all plays out. And then we get another shot too, where it seems that Bruce Wayne is walking into a weird riddle. Yeah. That says the sins of my father. And then there's one line that points, no more lies, Coulson. Which I was like, Phil Coulson? I, I know, I was like, wait, crossover. Wait before you start doing that. And then there's another name that appears to say Michelle. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one about renewal. And it's it's a question mark that's the center of this whole gravity. Yeah, it says renewal is a lie. Yes. And then there's one that says savage. So it's kind of like, where is he going from here and where the Riddler is trying to test him? And then we do see another shot of Batman and Catwoman talking. And you can kind of see, like I say, the the budding romance is happening, but it oh, just yeah. kind of seems like the connection that we've seen throughout the years between those two in the comics is going. Then we see more fighting. I'm not sure it's with the Joker slash mutant gang because, like I say, to see that gang in the beginning, you get the Batman Beyond vibe. You get yeah. the Dark Knight Returns ones, yeah. which I know it's the mutants. It's not, but I always feel they're inspired by the Joker anyway. And you do see that we now have Penguin's thugs attacking Batman, and it appears that it's in his nightclub. So. That'll be kind of an interesting ploy. We do see 
Zoe Kravitz uh, walking in there as well, disguised. I say, I also want to know. Uh, there is a shot where he grabs hold of Penguin by like the scruff of his suit, and but we do see a quick shot of Batman looking like he's ready to pull a punch. I don't know what it is he's got on his wrist, but it almost looks like the thing uh, Black Widow had when she was fighting with the Avengers. It looks like one of those type of. Deals. It could be. I mean, they got to do something a little bit to you know give him a fighting chance. Yeah, that's true. And then we kind of just see a little more back and forth between Catwoman and Batman. And then you do see another hallway scene where he is taking ungodly amounts of fire on him. I'll say Reeves obviously took some notes from the folks over at Star Wars slash uh, Marvel. Yes, because he is getting shot up with close range machine guns and is walking through like absolutely nothing has happened. Uh huh. And then you get the iconic "I'm vengeance." Yep. Now, I mean, he didn't go full Kevin Conroy with it, but we do. If he does, I'm going to mark out. Well, you know, it would be cool if Kevin Conroy made an appearance in this. I'm just right? going to throw that out there. That'd be awesome. Could put that crime around the world. Then we get another shot of the Batmobile in its full glory, all full muscle. Yep. Which Yo. I'm excited for. You get a shot of Batman flying off a rooftop. Cause reasons. You know why not? And then you're seeing another one where he's basically gone through some things. <laughs> He's and, either covered in mud, mud or a lot of sewage. I'm hoping it's the former. Yeah, that something has happened, and you're seeing that the Riddler is now addressing everybody over the cable systems. Yeah. So, And that's where you get the first shot of his face. So, so to speak. Yeah, that's what we're guessing it I mean, is. It's his eyes and presumably his nose, but you really don't see much else. Yes, which I love. Like I say, I think that they played it very smart mm-hmm. because this is going to be a Riddler that we've never seen before. Yes. Even in the comics. So which, you're saying it's not going to be like Jim Carrey. Thank God, no. <laughs> I mean, the carry thing is all right in the universe yeah. it's set in because yeah. they try paying homage to Batman 66. Yeah. I get it. Not mad about it. But this is a new take on the Riddler, especially, let's face it, the Riddler, when he's written very well, is actually a great villain. Oh, yeah. But more times than not, he's kind of a throwaway character. Not going to lie about it. I digress. Then we get a little more about Batman doing Batman things. We see Jeffrey Wright playing Commissioner Gordon, who's holding a gun that he's watching something happen. Well, yeah, we do see a shot of Batman beating the holy hell out of somebody, and it, it does cut to another shot. It's the same frame because we see Batman out of focus, his arm punching the person repeatedly, and Zoe Kravitz just pull away like, oh, God, what are you doing? Yeah, so we and it touches upon the, the inexperienced Batman that doesn't know where to control his levels. Yeah. And then you do see a shot that he is definitely scarred up. So, I mean, this is something they touched upon a little bit in the comics mm-hmm. that obviously not everything is a easy, uh, quick uh, antibiotic and back out in the field. Yeah. He's wearing some scars on him. And then you see him walking through what appears to be a riot going on with him, and he has a uh, flare. flare. So not sure what's going on there. That might tie into that scene that it looks like he was underground. It could be. So that's what I'm kind of guessing at. You do see a close-up of his eyes staring into the camera, yep. which that's kind of a cool moment too. And then you see basically something bad has happened because you're getting weird reactions mm-hmm. from Alfred and Catwoman say, too. I think Alfred, it's a, it's a real quick and you miss it, but you do hear Alfred go, oh, God. Yeah. And then you get to probably the best scene of the trailer, which it appears the Penguin is running away from Batman. There's an explosion. He thinks he's got him. And then you just see the Batmobile come flying through this ball of fire. Penguin, I got you. I got you. Uh, Joke's on you. Yes. And he winds up getting the car wrecked upside down, and you see Batman walking towards him, and there's this very cool upside-down shot, and then it goes right to the logo. The cinematography on this movie is going to be fucking amazing. Oh, my amazing. God, man. It's so dope. Like, if that shot ends up in the movie, yo. It's got to. I don't see how it can't. That is how you do a trailer. Uh-huh. So, 
A lot to be excited about for March 4th. Pad, final thoughts on this trailer. The trailer lived up to everything I would have hoped for, and it got me even more excited for the movie, if that's even possible. Because, you know, I was the Affleck iteration was okay. You know, not my biggest, not the biggest fan of it, but I hold the bail run in such high regards. This feels like a continuation or even maybe a prequel to the Bale films, you know, it, it just in the tone, the look and the feel of everything. And it looks amazing. Yeah. This looks absolutely incredible. Matt Reeves did an amazing job thus far with this trailer. If you're not excited about this, check your pulse. Yeah. I mean, honestly, this is going to be a different take on Batman that we've seen the uh, most definitely different take on the Riddler. Oh yeah. Which I think I'm more excited about than anything yeah. just to see how they're going to play this off. And especially, dabbling around the year one, year two, year three range of Batman is always weird territory to go to. Yeah. Frank Miller did an amazing job with Batman year one. If you've never read that comic, I highly recommend it. But it's kind of just this odd vibe that you you get with this film that you're going to see a different side of Batman than you've ever seen. I mean, the closest you could say is Batman Begins, but, yeah. but I'm still getting a different vibe from this. I mean, maybe because it's a different use of villains. Yeah. Either way, I'm sold on this. I'm excited to see more, and March can't get here soon enough because the film, I believe, is all done. They're just in post-production now. I believe so. So let's go. ODPH Society, we've given you our thoughts. We want to hear yours. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about Matt Reeves' The Batman film coming out March 4th to theaters? Uh, We're excited, but we want to know what you think. So hit us up. Let us know. We're going to get a quick break. We'll be right back. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. And I'm JVD. We're your hosts of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on thevillainsdemand.com. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast in hell fucking yeah. I'm excited because, Pad, one of my favorite shows came back this week. Oh. That is Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Not not the flagship show where they're too scared to do some stuff. No, no, no. We came back to the post-apocalyptic nuclear bomb going off and all types of wild stuff happening from your favorite serial killer, Teddy, played by John Glover last year has now succeeded in turning the fear universe into an absolute wasteland. We now pick up the pieces of what's going on. So I'm going to get be talking spoilers. So if you have not seen the episode and you want to see the episode, which I recommend you check out, hit pause on the podcast right now and jump back in because after the countdown, I'm going to try selling Pat on why he should check this episode out. Okay. So in three, two, one, what did I think? I have said this time and time again, and I will say this yet again as well. Coleman Domingo, who plays Victor Strand on this show, is absolutely fantastic to watch. He brings this show up with Lenny James to a whole different level that it stands out from the flagship show. Because like I said, your guy Teddy, John Glover, set off that nuclear bomb last season. Because what could go wrong? Exactly. So everybody has been kind of scattered around during the post-fallout here. Strand, we knew, was in a tower. Yes. So he sat there and watched the bomb go off with another person that was in there, a gentleman played or named Howard. Okay. So we had no idea really what was going on, but he did escape after having that weird fallout with 
uh, Morgan last season because they've been going back and forth. So this is episode is very, very focused on him. Mm-hmm. So as it starts out, you see that there is somebody in a minivan, and he's watching this group of uh, people fight these walkers. Now, obviously, they're in containment suits. they got masks on because, let's face it, the air quality right now is not working too well. In fact, uh. I mean, he has one as well, but, you know, it's he's just trying to kind of see what's going on, and he winds up getting taken by this group. Now, this character is named Will, uh, who's played by Gus Helper. Oh, uh, okay. So we, we see that Will is taken away by this mob because, I mean, first he escapes them at first, but then they catch him later when he's sitting around a campfire because, well, I mean, let's face it, the zombie apocalypse, you got to do what you got to do to survive. So once he's brought to this compound, he's showered and he's presented, basically trying to find his way through this place because he is freaking the hell out. He doesn't know what's going on. And he runs into the one and only Victor Strand, who is sitting there and in this art studio where Howard was. Yes. He's now dressed in, like, army gear, so to speak, like hmm. a general. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he has that vibe. The fatigues and everything. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, I mean, more so, like, I want to say, like, a Napoleon vibe. Okay. Like, it's kind of more fancy dressed like that. And he has basically said that, well, under my leadership here, we are now prospering. The, and it's true. Like, they, they have, it appears... They have, uh, they're growing crops. They're actually, you know, really made the best of the bad situation here. So things are working out well. Yeah, it's 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 so weird to see because he's just sitting there. Because Will, I mean, at this point, has also like grabbed the sword that he found there because he's ready to defend himself. Because he's like, what the hell is going on here? I don't know. And you just see Strand is just as calm as can be. And he's like, and he almost does like his checks, like uh, Daryl did. You know, the three questions. Of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, "What's your name? What are you doing here? You know, who were you before everything happened? Like that kind of vibe." And you do find out that Will is is being very, very quiet about like what he's been doing. But basically, he's just saying like, "I've been out since everything has happened, and you know, I'm just trying to find my way." And you see that Strand is just going through a million and one questions of interrogation on him. Of just saying, like, you know, when was the last time you saw anybody? Who did you see? Right. And basically, Strand is like taken over of forming his own rangers of his compound. Yeah. So he's now basically ascended to the role that Georgia had. Oh, okay. You know, from last season, that he is now just the head person in charge. So it's nice to see that he's finally ascended to his ranks because. Basically, at the end of last season, he thought he was done and he was his life was over, and now he's just reinvented himself. Mm. And he's such a charismatic character too. And, and like I said, Coleman Domingo plays him so very well. He's just oozing with charisma, and just you—he's the villain you love to hate. So you can't go wrong when you see him on screen. So it's very cool to see him in this role. And as you see that he's talking to Will, he does get a little tip off that Will is obviously hiding more than he's letting on. And he does have a slight connection to Alicia. Now, Strand and Alicia have had a very tight friendship okay. throughout the year. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so basically the fact that Alicia, who was left for dead in Teddy's compound before the uh, nuclear warhead went off, Strand is now saying, well, if you're connected with her, I'm going to actually let you live mm. and you can help me because you'll take me to her. And this is kind of where the interesting point is because originally when Strand gave it done, was done with his questions, he was ready to write him off. He was like, you, you serve no purpose to me. 
There's nothing happening here. So Strand actually was trying to kill him until this was kind of offered up that there was something more to it because once Will had the medallion uh, out, this is where it pointed out because once he saw Strand saw that, he's like, I know that belongs to Alicia. Wow. So we're going to go find out. So Strand takes off with Will and goes in search, which was kind of a, is a very unique thing to see because, you know, when usually you have these leaders of groups yeah. in the Walking Dead universe, like the governor, <clears throat> Negan, yeah, Alpha, yeah. they don't do the dirty work themselves. No, although very rarely, yeah. Very rarely, but they send them out. But this is where Strand goes off with Will, and when the zombies are attacking, Strand basically says, well, I've gotten all the information I can out of you because they're checking around Will's minivan. Doesn't really find too much. Strand leaves him for dead. So this is the second time that he's tried killing him. Note, he tried. He basically was going to exile him out to the wilderness or to outside the compound. So that was the attempt number one that he tried killing him. This is now attempt number two he's tried killing him. But Will winds up tracking him down because, well, Strand is now trying to make his way through a very dark time in the lighthouse that he winds up crashing at. And when him and Will are there, they kind of have like a meeting of the mind because basically Will keeps on mentioning Alicia in front of him. So he's kind of hitting the weak spot of Strand, who's trying to be so stoic Mm. because obviously there's that connection with Alicia. He is in there and basically he's saying, you know, like we have to work together to get out of here. They wind up activating the the broken light that's in there. So this is kind of where the action sequence happens for the show. Yeah. And and kudos again to the Fear the Walking Dead universe. Because they do the walkers are coming through the fog. They can't see, so they have to activate the lighthouse light to see where it's, where it's fighting. Strand is out there fighting everybody. Yeah. And when it goes out, they kind of have to you know do a little standoff as well. But they do wind up escaping that as well, and they get back to the hotel that Alicia was left at. Mm. And they don't find her, but they find a note that was signed Padre on there. And... This is kind of playing, and Alicia is now on the move, so she's not there any longer. So where she's going to wind up reappearing this season is going to be anybody's guess. But then we get back to where Strand is like, he goes back and forth through his feelings. And this is where I kind of say, Coleman Domingo really steps up in this because you see that Strand is trying to be something he's not. Yeah. And he's ultimately brought back to where he is because he just has that self-doubt in him that he, even though he's trying to prove himself, to anybody that'll listen, and even to himself, it's just not working. Right. Because he does break down, and he, and he kind of makes this point about like how he needs her to justify like he's a good person. Because, they, like I said, throughout the, the seasons of the show, they've always had a very tight friendship. So it's kind of like how they balance each other out. And this is driving him absolutely mad that he can't find her and can't prove, like, hi, I've made something of myself. I'm actually worthy of being somebody. So they wind up going back to the compound, and they take the light bulb from the lighthouse with them. And this will play into what happens next, because when Strand, Will, and Howard are on the roof, they have the light working. And basically, this is where Strand is sitting there, and, and Will is trying to talk to him as well. And he's like, you know, it, we we can do a lot of things here. You know, the light will help people find here. You can build a community and, and go forth with this. And Strand is sitting there and basically being very conflicted. He's saying, you know what? I've seen a lot of these groups before. Yeah. And Pat, I'll ask you the question that Negan, or not Negan, but Strand said. Okay. Why do all of them fail? Uh, I don't know. Because of love. 
because they wow. they all fail because they care. And if you're going to survive in this world, you can't care about anybody. Now, Will is saying there, well, what about Alicia? What about, you know, you trying to impress? He goes, no, I'm going to have to kill that as well. Immediately grabs him and throws him off the roof. Oh, wow. Which I was like, I knew it was coming. Like, you kind of had the sense that they telegraphed it a little bit. But, and if I want to fault the show on one thing. They did like a CGI camera like shot of uh, Will going off the roof. Mm-hmm. Like it was following him down and it looked a little cheesy, not going to lie. But still, he's now thrown on the ground. Wow. So he's dead. And you see the Strand is immediately talking to Howard and he's saying, yep, this light, it's not meant to bring people for welcome. It's a warning. A la Batman. Ah, and he okay. basically says, if anybody tries ruining what I have here, I will take them out personally. This is now my my time to paraphrase. End of episode. Wow. So I completely marked out about this because to see this side of Strand, and like I say, he's one of the characters on this show that you don't necessarily root for, yeah. But he compels you to watch. Right. And even as his character does have, you know, a little bit of cheesy lines to say, Coleman Domingo lives up and really makes something worth watching with this character. That I think if it was, if it was somebody else cast in this role, it wouldn't connect as well. But he does such a good job about being just such a conflicted, charismatic being in this. This is why Strand becomes a must-watch character. And like I say, you saw him that basically just at the end of this, he said, he's like, I could have died out there. I would have fallen. Why? Because I, I cared about people. I love people. I can't do that again, and I won't do that again. So now when the rest of the group now sees this lighthouse and they're not met with open arms, especially one Morgan, I don't know how this is going to play out. But I'm definitely excited about it. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm telling you, Pad. This is now the time to jump on the Fear of the Walking Dead bandwagon. If you've been turned off by the Fear the, by the regular TW universe, they're doing a lot of really cool stuff with this. It was kind of interesting to see how they were actually prospering with the nuclear fallout, though. That's that's something I, I don't really understand how they're pulling off to the to the point they are. Reasons, but yeah, I'm just kind of chalking it up to that, and I'm not mad about it. But I'm also just kind of sitting there going, like, I don't exactly know how this is going to work long term. But obviously, when we start seeing everybody else from the group appear, we know that's going to play into factor. And especially, like, we've seen teaser footage of what's happened with Morgan and how he's surviving now. So where we're going to go from here is going to be anybody's guess. But I thought for what they did, Coleman Domingo, I can't stress enough, makes this show a must-watch. And him and Lenny James, I think, steal this show every time they're on screen. The fact that, I mean, obviously last season's cliffhanger between them was definitely must-watch TV. To see now it's going to play out that it's going to be Strand versus Morgan this season, I'm I'm amped up about because the writers on Fear are not afraid to go some places with it. And even to see, as I'm showing Pad, the promotional art for this season. Yeah, okay. I'm loving the face-off they're going to be having, and I'm telling you right now, it's a perfect time to catch up if you haven't checked it out. It's going to be airing on AMC on Sunday nights. They just came back, going strong straight through December, 
and at least, and I'm just telling you right now, you got to give the show a, a watch. If you haven't checked it out, this is now even a good time to jump in because everything's at a clean slate now because you're living in the post-apocalyptic world of a nuclear bomb going off. Say it's a post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic world. Yeah. So it's a perfect time to jump in. If you haven't jumped in and checked it out, but and I, I'm telling you right now, let me know what you think about it. Give it a shot and let me know what you think, honestly. If you if you hate it, you hate it, and I can respect that. But tell me why. We can have that conversation. At OD Parlay Hour on Twitter, let me know what you thought, ODPH Society, of the Fear of the Walking Dead Season 7 premiere entitled The Beacon. I want to have that conversation, so let's do it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideman Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna go Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, what you got for those one shots? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, first of which, we gotta call some folks out. Uh, nobody by name, but just folks in general. Uh, if you are aware, uh, on social media last night, there was the red carpet premiere for the upcoming film from Marvel Eternals. You know, this was the anticipated next Marvel film, you know, that's got the vaunted cast, including the likes of, uh, Angelina Jolie, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Selma Hayek, Selma Hayek, you know, Kit Harington, Kit Harington among, you know, among many, many others. It's like. The largest cast I think they've had for a Marvel movie. That's like yes, like and that's even in one of the promo videos they put out that like it's ten main characters, which is absurd, but it should be awesome. Uh, but the, the red carpet premiere was last night, which meant there was a large group of folks from the press. Uh, ourselves were not on the guest list, so we did not that did not make the trip. Uh, but we should be on the press list if for one reason we'll get to in a minute. Uh, but some of so those press folks got to see the movie last night, and what I guess I got to say is. If you are fortunate enough to see one of these films, whether you are a member of the press or you were invited there as a special guest for some ver- one various reason or another, if you are invited by Marvel and thereby Disney to attend said film, which let's face it, there is not an open Willy Wonka golden ticket type of contest to get into this. Fact. Don't fucking post spoilers about it right after seeing the movie. Because, and I want to warn folks, I'm not going to spoil anything. I haven't read anything, but I have heard and have seen folks talking online that some of the folks who were at the uh, screening last night, including writers from various trades, Mm -hmm. some notable, uh, are posting spoilers. And it's gotten the eye of Disney, and there was one gentleman who is a publicist for Disney, who the little, little, his bio says, yes, I'm that person from Disney. He's a publicist, said, quote, for the jerks who are openly tweeting hashtag Eternals, spoilers, after being invited to the premiere tonight, please know we see you. And he included a gif of Hulk smashing the ever-loving shit out of Loki in Avengers 1. Something tells me if you are one of the folks who have been posting spoilers from Eternals after being invited to the premiere, Disney and Marvel are aware of what you have done. You will not be invited to any future premieres that being said hey uh, marvel disney if you're looking for some folks to fill those seats that won't post spoilers online you got two guys right here uh you can reach us at ocho duro parlay at gmail.com we would be more than willing to attend uh cover said press and then not post spoilers 
How in this day and age do people not understand? Don't post spoilers. Uh-huh. Especially if you get invited to the premiere. Uh-huh. Like, like I'm sorry. Is clickbait that bad? Is, 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 do you really need that much to ruin the movie? I'm sorry. In this day and age, why we are still having this talk, I don't get it. But you know what? For you idiots that did that, Pat and I will be more than gracious to fill those seats. Yeah, because we, while we haven't been to any big movie premieres, we have gotten advanced copies of comics ahead of their release. Mm-hmm. And, and it's very well documented. We cover some of those. And I know you post those reviews online. And either the writer or the folks who put out the book will share it on social media. Yeah. So they are aware of this shit. So when you, whoever it is that spoiled this movie, get invited to said premiere, they want to see what you thought of the movie. They're very interested. You're not going to fly under the radar in the, in the noise of social media by posting spoilers because they are looking to see what you uh, say about the movie and what you thought without going into full spoilers. Mm-hmm. So if you're Joe Blow from, you know, insert trade, you know, trade here, you know, Variety, Hollywood Reporter, who I'm not saying they did it, but just for first things that come to head. Any kind of media outlet. Any kind of media outlet. They are going to be going out of their way to see what you are saying. You're a fucking idiot. Yeah, you deserve to get banned. And don't go crying on social media that you broke this noise and you broke everything to, you know, hi, we got the exclusive. You're an idiot for doing it. Rich and Ken saw Ghostbusters Afterlife like a month ahead, month and a half ahead of the movie's actual release. Have they said one word about what happened in the film? Nope. Nope. And they not have, going they to. They haven't posted or said anything on air, you know, about what happens in the movie. They are keeping that NDA that they didn't officially sign. We didn't sign it, but we're fans and we get this. I mean, that's why everybody that went with us to the premiere at New York Comic Con that turned out to be a premiere. You haven't heard a word said from Dre Driven. You haven't heard a word said from Tyler from 30 and Nerdy. Rich hasn't said a word other than he gave a very broad statement to say of he liked it. Mm-hmm. That's it, which you can find. Which is fine. Which is anywhere. I've said online, I liked it. That's nothing wrong with that. That's the only thing you're going to hear. How much do I like it? I'm buying tickets opening night to watch it again. There you go. That's the only spoiler you're going to get from us. Why somebody can't figure this out is mind-blowing to me. And I guess maybe it's because we here at the ODPH have been very fortunate. We are on press lists. We get exclusive stuff early. We don't talk about it early, whether it's comics, whether it's TV shows, whether it's movies. I'm not divulging that. You'll never know until we post it. And when do we post it? After an embargo is set. And then we get the okay from said people. And those embargo and those emails we get from said people include in the font in like bright coloring, you know, red letters usually when that embargo is up because they want to make it crystal clear when you can start talking about it. Yes. Even when we have ones that say no embargo, I still try not posting too much early. So why people can't figure it out in that realm is beyond me. But have fun on the outside looking in. Let's say, and, and the folks in the trades are posting spoilers. You're smarter than us. Yeah, come, like, come on. Like, seriously, for that clickbait, see, here's the thing. You'll get a quick hit now. Let's see what you're doing in a couple months after. Uh-huh. Something tells me if you go to do a, try to get an interview done with said uh, Disney or Marvel, eh, they might leave you to the end of the list. Exactly. So have fun with Eternals. We'll be talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. Yep. 
think somebody might have won that one. Just uh, saying. I'm hoping. Uh, so i uh, got to stick with Marvel. Uh, there were some unfortunate uh, delays that were announced uh, just a couple days ago. Uh, so these were uh, unveiled. Uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness was originally scheduled to come out in March 25th of next year. That got moved to 5-6. Uh, uh, so you got a little bit of delay there. Thor Love and Thunder, which was originally uh, slated to premiere on 5-6 uh, of next year, has been moved to 7-8. You're about to notice a trend here, folks. Uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which was originally scheduled to come out on 7-8 of next year, has been moved to 11-11 of next year. Again, noticing a, uh, a little trend a Trend here, folks. Uh, the Marvels, which was originally scheduled to come out on November 11th of next year, has been moved to February 17th of 2023. Ant-Man and the Wasp, which was originally scheduled to come out on February 17th of 23, has been moved to uh, June 28th of 2023. Uh, and then also there was an untitled Marvel film, which was originally scheduled to come out on June 28th of 2023, has been removed from the schedule. Uh, another one that was originally scheduled for uh, uh, October 6th of 2023 has been removed. Uh, and then there was an untitled Marvel project uh, previously dated on November 10th of 2023 has been upped a week to uh, November 3rd of 2023. Also should note, Disney also announced the, that the Indiana Jones sequel has been pushed back a full uh, full year. Uh, I'm willing to bet odds on that one. That was because of Harrison Ford's injury. Yeah. Uh, so that's the understanding for that one. But in terms of why these all got delayed, uh, I'm going to read off of a quote uh, courtesy of Deadline's Anthony uh, D'Alessandro. Who, hey, listen, th- here's what it says. Uh, quote, uh, in exhibition, no need to be alarmed. This has nothing to do with a change in distribution strategy for these films, I'm informed. There's no Disney Plus uh, theatrical day and date going on, nor are Disney execs immediately concerned about the future of the global marketplace. It's all on account of a domino effect going on with production and filmmakers. Some titles are contending with finishing scenarios while others are still in production. This is how Disney is solving it, and when you come to think of it, most of the dates were already reserved by the studio for Marvel Fair. They're just moving titles from one slot to the next. So it's no end of the world. Holy shit, the movies suck. They need more time to fix them. It's just, hey, things are taking a little longer. Still dealing with pandemic and and you know restrictions and whatnot. So they just, hey, things need a little more time, and I'm all right with that. I'm okay with it as well. I mean, they're not pushed back too far. I mean, I'm disappointed, but yeah. I'm just... I'm I'm an avid fan that I want to see content. Oh yeah, I do too. But that's a nice thing is like, unlike a couple of years ago, this would have been absolutely devastating, but we won't be without a, a, a spell of Marvel content. There won't be no dry spell because we still have the 15 plus stuff coming. Yeah. So definitely something to be excited about when it comes out and this will just build up more anticipation after Spider-Man No Way Home comes out. So Doctor Strange will get absolutely freaking insane trying to get a ticket for. Yeah. Be the hottest ticket next year. Yeah, it will be. Without question. Uh, switching over to some television news, uh, we got some Smallville news because uh, Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum did an interview with IGN, uh, and, they, and they brought up the topic of the uh, Smallville animated series, which Tom Welling let slip in a cameo video. Uh, that it could return in animated form. Uh, Tom Welling said, quote, I was being honest with that moment, and I was like, literally don't tell anybody. And that person posted it 30 seconds later. Uh, (laughs) Welling did make clear that the project is, quote, very real. And Michael Rosenbaum added, "Uh, it's something that we're passionate about, something we love. Hopefully uh, Hopefully we're going to obviously share with Warner Brothers when the time is right, and hopefully we'll be able to work with them. And that's about all we can say right now. 
Uh, they were asked about what kind of stories, you know, one of the stories, uh, you know, and the stars were vague, uh, but they did make clear, quote, there's a lot of stories, uh, so said Rosenbaum. Uh, I mean, honestly, after Smallville ended, uh, people had a lot of questions and who's to say what was happening a few years later uh, and where did these characters go? How did they come back? So there's always a story. There's always a story to be told, uh, close quote. Uh, you know, Welling did make clear that this would be a story, you know, well past the end of Smallville's original run, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and rather, in, uh, you know, so, the, you know, it'll be interesting to see, especially since they did do, uh, I can't remember, I think it was DC did the season 11 comic storyline. Yes. So that'll be very interesting to see, and especially you have what happened in Crisis on Infinite Earths, you know, crossover where they showed up and Clark in that universe gave up his powers. You know, so that'll definitely be interesting to see. I'm all fucking for it. Yeah, I'm definitely excited about this. I mean, it's Smallville. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Uh, switching to some unfortunate Dragon Ball news, it was announced by the folks over at Toei Animation that uh, prolific voice actor Chris Ayers, uh, best well-known for his voice as Frieza in many, many Dragon Ball projects, has passed away at the uh, unfor- at the very young age of 56 years old. Uh, his girlfriend, uh, Crystal Laporte, said Ayers had passed away peacefully, held close by his mother, brother, and girlfriend on October 18th. No cause of death had been announced. Uh, so it's very unfortunate. You know, he best became, like I said, best became, uh, you know, known for his voice work as Frieza. Uh, he replaced the original uh, English voice actor, Linda Young, uh, who was the voice in Dragon Ball Z Kai, uh, you know, or sorry, he provided the voice in Dragon Ball Z Kai, Dragon Ball Super, Dragon Ball Xenoverse 1 and 2, plus a whole bunch of others, including the Dragon Ball Super uh, movie Broly. So definitely, you know, unfortunate. You had uh, the likes of Chris Sabat, who voices Vegeta, among many others in the Dragon Ball universe, saying, quote, the anime industry lost a living angel today. It's impossible to, to describe how pure Chris Ayers was, and his dedication to his craft was unmatched. Knowing Chris, he's still at the gates of Otherworld, explaining something clever to the Mater D, R.I.P. Frieza. Uh, Vic uh, Minigona, uh, who I believe voiced Broly in the uh, most recent Dragon Ball film, deeply saddened to hear of the passing of friend Chris Ayers. Went to visit him in the hospital when I was in Houston for Matsuri in July and was reminded of his amazing spirit and determination. Much love and prayers to his family and friends. We'll see you again in glory, dear Chris. So definitely, it's, it's a hard, it's a tough blow for the Dragon Ball franchise and, and because he played such a great freeze and freeze was such mm-hmm. an awesome character that it's, it's hard to lose a voice actor like that. And, and it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. I don't know if Frieza is going to show up in the next movie, Dragon Ball, super superhero. Yeah. Because not much other than Majin Buu getting shown along with Goku and Vegeta. And we know from the panel, as I mentioned on last week's show, uh, Bulma and Weezer in the movie, we don't know much else past who's going to show up in the movie. So, It'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, but definitely uh, want to send some uh, thoughts and prayers to his friends and family. Yeah, absolutely. Our deepest condolences to his uh, family, friends, and fans all over the world. Yeah, and then we had another unfortunate passing uh, this past week, just yesterday as we record. Uh, Jack Angel uh, passed away uh, who at the ripe young age of nine years old. Uh, you might know him. He was uh, Teddy in Artificial Intelligence. He was the shark uh, in the original Toy Story movie. He, he did some voice work uh, for the Iron Giant film. He was also in the Treasure Planet film. But, Ken, you know him for some other stuff. I mean, he was in Super Friends. He he did the voice of Nick Fury on Spider-Man, the animated series. Yeah, was he, a, yeah Avatar, The Last Airbender. He is a legend in voice acting. And so he, uh, according to his IMDb page, he has 196 acting credits. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's absolutely a legendary career. I mean, 
uh, King Zarkon yeah. and Voltron. Yeah. And, I mean... It was the voice of Sid in the Final Fantasy fifteen game. You know, we will get to hear his voice at least one more time, at least according to his IMDb page. Uh, the most recent project he has listed on his page is for an untitled Cars project, and then in parentheses it says TV series, uh, scheduled to come out in 2022. Yeah, so our deepest condolences to his family, fan, fran, fans, and friends all over the world, too. I mean, yeah. it's just... Tough losses. Here. Yeah. Uh, and then one last thing i got to mention is some video game news that i got to admit I'm kind of excited about. I uh, haven't seen or heard anything from this franchise in quite some time. Uh, reportedly, there is a new game in development from the folks at Ubisoft uh, involving Splinter Cell. Ooh. Yeah, so uh, reading off an IGN article, it says, A report from VGC claims multiple development sources have revealed that a new Splinter Cell is in, early, in an early phase of production with a small chain chance of the game being announced in 2022. The project has apparently been greenlit as part of an effort to appease uh, frustrated Tom Clancy and Splinter Cell fans who have been less than happy with Ubisoft's treatment of the brand over the last decade. No further details were provided in the report aside from the suggestion that the, uh, the new Splinter Cell will be developed outside of Ubisoft's flagship Montreal studio. Ubisoft Montreal developed key Splinter Cell games, including the original Chaos Theory, and Conviction. The most recent game, Blacklist, was developed at Ubisoft Toronto. Uh, in the years since Blacklist, Splinter Cell's protagonist, Sam Fisher, has appeared in numerous other games, but never the star of his own show. Appearances in Ghost Recon Wildlands and Breakpoint, along with Rainbow Six Siege, have frustrated fans and made it seem as if a new Splinter Cell was never going to happen. Uh, you know, there was a VR game announced in 2022 for Oculus VR, and that's, so that was announced, but it's not a mainline game. But yeah, the last Splinter Cell game came out in 2013. So it's been all crazy. It, by the time this game comes out, it'll have been 10 years since a Splinter Cell game came out. And I can understand their fans frustration. You know, I've only played a handful of them. I haven't played any of them. I remember playing demos of the original one back in like Toys R Us and Walmart. Yeah. And it being hard and fucking shit because you gen like, I'm not the biggest fan of stealth in games. I'll do it if i have to mm. i'm real good at it in skyrim let me just say I'm, <laughs> I'm a fucking ninja in that game but if it's a game where like hey stealth is optional i'm taking the optional route and not doing it you know but i just remember the original splinter game being harder than fucking hell that like if you were seen at any point and that light little bar on on the hud that if the light was up enough and you did something you got caught mission over yeah you know so i can understand the frustration and hopefully something does come out of it because if splinter cell franchise is so good you know i've read there have been a couple of books that i've read over the years you know, I'd love to see another one of those games. Yeah, definitely exciting news for that. And I, I yeah. know that's right up your alley, too, yeah, man. I, I know you're trying to contain your excitement about that. Yeah. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, so for me, comic-wise this week, I got to just really kind of talk about Valiant Comics. Doing a lot of great work this week. Parlay Points, uh, my feature book this week that I'm hyping up a lot, Exo Man of War number 7 by Dennis Hopeless and Emilio Laezo. Okay. And listen, if you're not part of what they're doing over at EXO, it's their one of their most legendary heroes, and the story they've been crafting has been very interesting. Not spoiling anything about that, but it's definitely got a great payoff at the end. So if you've been reading the issues leading up to here, you're definitely going to really be excited about to see what's going on there. And we also got a press release from Valiant, so shout out to everybody over there, about how next year, Year of the Valiant 2022... And there is a big promotional art piece right here. I'm showing Pad. Ooh. Yes, by Tyler Kirkham. Okay. And this is leading into the Dead Side War. Now, if you're not familiar with that, and I'm going to tell you right now, get caught up quick. 
That is something that has been rolling out of the pages of Shadow Man. Mm-hmm. So we've been, I've been fortunate enough to cover that for Parlay Points as well. And we did get a little promotional art um, as well, too, uh, what's coming out, because Shadow Man is returning in January. And the promotional art, though, that I tell you that I should have showed Pad, you've been seeing the page all over social media. It's bringing back a lot of the old favorites from Valiant that if you read them like I did in the 90s and, and currently, you're going to see a big crossover happen here with a lot of familiar faces. I am very stoked. I saw Archer and Armstrong. I was geeking out ridiculously. Ridiculously, Bloodshot's back, Shadow Man, Exo Man of War, Faith, Harbinger, Quantum and Woody. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to name a few, Ninjak, of course. The list goes on and on, so I'm telling you right now, and I'm making this very, very public, do not sleep on Valiant. If you have not checked out what Valiant Entertainment has been doing, this is the time to get amped up. You definitely want to get on board because of what they got coming out. Uh, and I'm telling you right now, if they're doing a big crossover like this, it's going to be huge. And, in fact, if, if we're getting some old familiar faces back, like I said, the promo art you've been seeing all over social media, this is the time to jump on board now. If you need recommendations, I'm telling you right now, go pick up Ninjak. I think the recent series has been phenomenal. Shadow Man by Colin Bunn has been epic. It's definitely worth picking up at the shops when you get a chance to. The trade paperback, I believe, is dropping today. Oh. So if you're not familiar with what's going on with Valiant, definitely swing on over there. Check it out. If you have been reading Valiant, definitely let's talk about that. I am super excited about what I'm seeing here. And you know, kudos to them. They're putting, putting in a lot of work, too. The Harbinger is dropping next week, I believe, at comic shops. Ooh. I got the We did the early review for them. And I'm telling you right now, that's a book you need to add to your pull list. ASAP. So that all being said, the music you heard on this edition of the UDPH is that of our good friend Shout Out the Robots. Pad, if I want to find out more about Shout, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section. You check out everything going on with Shout. Everything going on with Brian Wolf, who you'll hear his brand new single at the end of this show. And you can definitely check out what he's doing down in Austin, Texas. You can also check out Tom Jolu, Second Suitor, Floodlands, Yard Party. The list goes on and on. All the great music you hear on the ODPH each and every week. You can also swing on over to the directory. Because, Pat, what is so great about the directory? Uh, it's got a lot of information where you can find the ODPH app. Exactly. So if you're like, hey, I'm trying to find you on my favorite podcast platform, chances are we have the link right there. So you can just hit follow. And I'll you- say I counted them yesterday. There's like 10 or 12. Yes. Easy. And I keep adding more when I'm hearing about, hey, can you please add this here so I can find you and I can listen right on the website. Boom. We accommodate you. We're trying to get on ham radio. Don't look that up. (laughs) You never say never because we're on a lot of places. And we keep saying thank you to everybody who's been adding us. Subscribers have been going up. Like, listen, it's, it's been a movement right now with the ODPH. And we can't say thank you enough for that. But that's why we also tell you, check out Friends of the Show, which you can find on the classifieds. Because our guy... Brian Wayne from Cheers to Comics, who I'm going to be appearing with on YouTube later on Wednesday, and I'm sure you're going to be able to find it all over the place on social media, has just opened up his own online comic shop. Oh, good for him. Which is fucking fantastic. So if you want to go shop some comics, why not go to see Brian? You go to shopcheerstocomics.com, and you can use the code ODPH, and you'll save yourself 10% at checkout. How cool is that? So cool. Exactly. You can also check out other friends of the show, such as Excite Wrestling, Dragon Master Games, 
And you can also check out organizational links, support Black Lives Matter, and all the amazing pod groups we are in via the Podchaser pages. So shout out to the Apocalypse, shout out to the Inner Circle, and of course, shout out to hashtag 607 Podcast and our good friends over at 8122 Productions and everything they're doing on their Patreon, patreon.com slash 8122productions. All of that, parlay points, blogs coming out every day. You can read that new Exo Man War review. I hope you do because you definitely want to check that out. The T Public Store, which new designs are coming. I'm not dropping what we got coming next, but we got something coming. All that and so much more. ODPHpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Please make sure to go check out So Wizard this week. I'm guest hosting on there with Joey and Marcellus talking Halloween kills. You want to get that podcast in your podcast player? And as always, thank you for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. Sometimes I lay awake at night Wondering what life would be like If you weren't taken before your time The lessons you taught me Try to remember, try to engage Sometimes it feels just like I'm staying